When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And welcome everyone to Rock M Radio. Uh, this is a brand new episode of Dive Cuts. Uh, we're on season six. Six seasons of uh, mostly me and mostly this guy talking nonsense. Uh, I am your host, Sam Stelling, uh, the site manager at Rock M Nation, along uh, to the right of the screen, if you're watching this on YouTube, is... Matthew J. Harris. Matt, how are you? I'm well. Uh, we have many reasons to be well uh, over the last five days, uh, but excited uh, for what seems to be shaking up as a uh, pretty good class in 2024. Yeah, so Matt Watkins and I recorded last week, and we were speaking on the hypotheticals of uh, Otter Botang, Um becoming a Missouri Tiger. It all seemed likely uh, last week. Uh, However, I don't think we quite expected it to occur on Friday. And sure enough, Uh uh, on Friday, uh, our man, Honor Botang, the uh, the consensus composite five-star, I think composite Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. five-star recruit out of Little Rock, Arkansas, committed to Dennis Gates and the Missouri Tigers. Uh, it was an exciting day all around. Matt, what was your initial reaction? I mean, I know that you were hard at work on the commitment piece, and and I thank you for pumping that out. Uh, (laughs) It's a good problem to have when you're debating whether or not it's the number 26 kid in the composite or the number 9 kid who's on campus in the composite. These are are first world problems. These are not problems we are accustomed to having uh, for a long, long time. Uh, that so is true. Yeah, there there was some some thought there for a second that maybe uh, maybe Jaden uh, acquaintance popped. Uh, it turns out that uh, that it, it wasn't the one who was on campus. No, um, it, it. I think the thing that surprised me about this was how kind of quickly it wrapped. Um, every indication had been that he was going to that Honor Batang was going to get to IU, uh, which was supposed to be scheduled for this weekend. For a visit, I think there was confidence on the IU side that if they got him in Bloomington, um, that they could, you know, make that final push. I think, you know, we can talk about it or we probably will get to it is sort of, you know, the optics of, you know, going into Arkansas and pulling a kid out. I wrote about it today, but I think the real thing, the real facet that stuff to me is that they really had to hold off IU here. IU is, you know, been able to, you know, put in resources, hire a really good staff. Mike Woodson's got a fantastic staff there. They've been big game hunting all 2024. Um, since about May, they've prioritized Boateng, really made a push, got in there. They had the final visit lined up. And I think, you know, we had sort of prepared for, for this thing to get into October mm-hmm. and really see if there was going to be a decision. But around Thursday night, you know, it started getting around that the visits were off. 
And when visits are off, you know, you, you, you look at, obviously, who's had you know, the visits at that point. It had been Arkansas, Georgia Tech, and Missouri, and LSU. Um, LSU has been prioritizing some other wings or has some guys higher up the board. Arkansas has got some guys that it's prioritized. So it really came down to, you know, is it been Missouri who's sort of been in the driver's seat or is Georgia Tech pulled off a coup here? And sure enough, Missouri, you know, prevailed here. I think they, they've had an advantage through most of the summer. You know, they withstood it and Arkansas getting a visit. And, you know, it was to the point where, you know, the Botangs canceled the other one. So rapid fire at the end, but the result that everybody wants, even if it was a little bit of a, of a hectic wrap up there. Yeah, so they they offered uh, on our uh, last um, August. Yep. Correct. Uh, yep. And and really since then, I think we should kind of shout out uh, Missouri assistant Kyle Smith Peters, uh, who was kind of front and center, uh, was leading the recruitment there. Uh, Dennis Gates always plays a role, and I mean the head coach is always going to play a role in recruiting every kid that signs with the school. Yeah. Uh, but the primary recruiter, uh, you know, for this was, was Smith Peters. And he's a guy who, uh, you know, least amount of experience on the uh, on the coaching staff, but certainly a guy with with plenty of coaching experience and and a good relationship builder. Uh, you have to be a good relationship builder if you're coaching in junior college ranks. Yep. Uh, and he did that. He got in, um, had a strong connection with 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 honor and his family. And and it paid off. Like this is uh, this is really you know Kyle's first big, um, big fish. I yeah. think we could we could say that you know as far as you know landing a, a you know a borderline four star five star kid. Yeah, at the uh, at the high major level, it is at the high major yeah. level for sure. Um, so, yeah, they've credit yeah. to him. Yeah, big credit there. Um, he had landed T.O. Barrett was the primary recruiter there. Um, you know, this was a. You know, I think it was interesting to see that, you know, Marcus Allen, you know, was kind of the the guy that, you know, CY had been on for a long, long time. And, you know, Peyton Marshall, too. But the two commits in this class are going to be T.O. Barrett and Honor Botang. You know, regional guys, you know, if you look kind of at, you know, when I track in the spreadsheets, you know, who the primary recruiter is. You know, Kyle, sort of that regional recruiter, does a lot of stuff in Oklahoma, Arkansas. Uh, obviously, his relationships in Illinois and Indiana, Kentucky from his time at Logan in southern Illinois. Um, you know, if you see it all, he's there for all the MoCan, BBE games. You know, he is the guy that, you know, you are handling regional recruiting for. Dickie Nutt does a little bit in Arkansas. He's kind of working, I think, ahead on some 25 and 26 kids. But this was Smith-Peter's brief was to, to go make this happen and, you know, to – open up at this level with this kind of player too, you know, sometimes with five stars, you know, you're talking about, you know, potential or is it physical fit or is it, you know, what are they going to do when they develop him here? You know, Botang can come on campus. And I, I think I said a couple of weeks ago, he's a guy that I think you can plug in and hope for him to be that maybe, you know, tertiary, that third, second or third option in your scoring rotation. He's got the tools to get there and be an impact guy. And to get that to be your first guy, and then on top of it to go into a really tough recruiting footprint, pull him out is it, it's notable, and it's a really really big win for for Kyle and for and for the staff and for him moving forward. I think it's it's the kind of result you want to see from a staff like this at this point. I also like to uh, 
commend you, sir, on your uh, your hoodie tip this evening. Um, you want yes. to show that off for the people? Oh uh, yeah, it's a uh, it's a comfortable hoodie from Eventide uh, Oyster <laughs> Company in Portland, Maine. It's fantastic. Um, it is a uh, it is a quality restaurant. It is a quality quality restaurant. That um, both you and I have eaten at, so not both. together. Um, <laughs> five years, five years apart. Years apart but, yeah, but yeah. things are, are still churning up there. Yeah, uh, no, I actually, we've been talking uh, even before we went we went um, to record for you know five ten minutes before this. I didn't even notice that you were wearing that, so I had to point it, that out. It's made by. It is a Carhartt hoodie, which it one it blows my mind that Carhartt is a fashion brand now. But this was like the work hoodie I wore when I did landscaping in high school. It's like the most comfortable hoodie in the entire world. And it just happens to rep this group in there. They do really, really good service up there. It's worth every penny to go eat there. Um, fantastic bourbon selection uh, for a seafood place as well. Um, but this, to bring it back to the recruiting class, this is sort of going to be a, a pivot point too. You know, Botang is in the boat. You know, boat in boating in the boat, um, and where they go oh, from I, here. I got that. I picked it up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. I'm, I'm not. I'm not subtle at all. That transition was not subtle. That joke was not subtle. Um, well, so uh, you know, you you kind of made mention of it, but you, you, and you wrote about it too. Is is you know the sort of you know signal that this is to um, you know go into the Arkansas footprint and and pull out you know, sort of top 50 kids is something that's really kind of reserved for, uh, blue bloods, uh, and Arkansas. Like those are the kinds of, uh, players that if you're a, a top 50 level, you know, kind of player in Arkansas, you're either going to go to a blue blood or you're going to go play for Arkansas. There's, there's no real guys that are in that range that are going to Missouri. Not really. We no. we've said for a long time though that you know that Botang and his family are a little bit a little bit different. Uh, they're not born and bred Arkansas folks. Uh, the the Botangs I believe moved there. Um, yeah. When he when he, you know when he was young, uh, but they moved there to you know to work at uh, Arkansas Little Rock. Yeah. Um, and and so his you know they're they're. they're they're basically newer-ish to the to the state, and I think that also kind of plays a role in this as well. Is like, you know, there's there's something about kids that are like born and raised in Arkansas that they just they grow up hog, hog fans, and for the most part, they end up going to Arkansas. Yeah, uh, live. I've lived and worked in Arkansas. Uh, lived two miles from Little Rock Central High School. Shout out to Soma. Shout out to. Uh... Central Road, um, and every place there. Um, it, it, you know, I, I tried to think of an anecdote, and it would just sound cheesy, but it's the kind of place where if you like are in Little Rock, like if you go to a bar or restaurant on Thursday night, and if it's late enough, somebody will just randomly call the hogs. It could be mid June with nothing going on, and somebody will call the hogs. You could, you know, be, you know. I've been in a grocery checkout line in the Heights in Little Rock, you know, after a Razorback football game, you know, just people like grocery shopping and people have called the hogs. If you drive through Southeast Arkansas, exactly caddy corner from the state, you will see 
hog country with the slobbering hog on the sign. It is everything Mizzou fans wish that they had for an in-state recruiting advantage <laughs> is there. And, yeah. you know, when Malik Monk and Archie Goodwin left the state, there were radio shows that were throwing around traitor as labels that were affixed to those kids. It is, if it's a kid that Arkansas really wants and that is perceived as being vital to that program's success, the omnipresent pressure is insane. It is something that Missouri will not have, does not have, has never had. Yeah. Um, And I think part of that, to your point, is it, it's grown there. It's in your family. It's, you know, in your community. Little Rock Central is a bit different as a high school. It is a magnet school. It's a lot like Hickman High School in Columbia, my, own, my, my high school alma mater. Big high school. Um, baccalaureate programs, kind of like the best of the best go there. Not really known as a basketball power uh, until recently, until Brian Ross got there and has managed to get some good kids in that city there. Usually it's been Parkview or Hall that are the big schools there. Um, so it's kind of known as the more academically oriented school, not really a big basketball tradition as compared to others, you know? So I think that that's kind of a big deal, you know, at Parkview, Scotty <laughs> is the basketball coach. So it, that, that kind of gives you a good sense for what things are like there. Um, Boating's parents are academics. His mom works at the med school. His dad works at UALR. Um, I think in the communications department there, I can't remember if that's related to medicine or if he's just housed, or if he's just in a different department there. But a little bit different family, not, not from the area, not at a school or a kind of a culture that's as steeped in, we ship guys to Fayetteville. And so, <laughs> right. um, so I, you know, I think if you were to look at kind of the conditions on the ground there, there was some opportunity for Missouri to get in there. They worked early, and, you know, the relationships paid off in the end. But I do think, you know, it's exceptionally rare to, to still extract a kid here. And, you know, we can even talk about the push that IU made, you know, down the stretch. We talked about a little bit earlier. That's hard to ignore. When IU has really leaned into guys the last couple of years, they've tended to win those battles. So to hold up to, you know, go into Arkansas and get a kid out and then to kind of simultaneously fend off IU as it's putting its full weight in, collectively, that's a really big recruiting win, you know, here. I, I, I don't, want to undersell that at all it's, it's it's a big win and it's a big proof of concept for what this staff is needed this was kind of the thing could they win a battle at this kind of level and they have so far we can talk about the battles they've got a win coming you know down the pike Aaron Rowe being you know the headliner there but it, it's the kind of or even in the near term for Jaden acquaintance in this class but you want to see your staff win this kind of battle it was a battle that you know Unfortunately, Zoe didn't win, you know, when the stakes got ramped up a bit. So we'll see what happens from here. But it's, it's you know, a good sign for the proof of concept for how the staff is working. So uh, uh, Batang is the fourth highest rated player in the 247 sports era to uh, to commit uh, to the Tigers uh, after uh, Michael Porter Jr., uh, Tony Mitchell, and Lennox Glazer. Do we, count, do we really count Tony? Do we he count committed. it? <laughs> he committed. Hey, it's it's on two four seven sports. I'm counting it. Uh, 
I don't think I like I don't think it makes a big difference if he's the third or fourth. I like landing a a, a player ranked that high uh for Missouri isn't normal. Um I think Dennis Gates and his staff are trying to make it more normal, but right at you know, to date it has not been something that they do. Um, not since not since the early days of Quinn. Not yeah. since there was that period, I think People don't, people want to say Norm lost at the end of the game, but that '98 class was number two in the RSCI. It his next to last class was two, and then I think three out of. Well, Keon Dooling was uh he was a five star kid, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah, he was a borderline McDonald's All American candidate that year. Um, and then you would have, I think, three out of Quinn's first five classes were top ten level classes in the RSCI. So there was a period where. I think Missouri ripped off like twelve top one hundred commits. It's really like it's also really difficult to um to the look R- I would say like even like the early twenty tens, it's difficult to look earlier than that. Yeah. Um because the the landscape for recruiting, how players are recruited the level of information that is available on recruits, the number of times that scouts get to see players, uh, it's Absolutely. all just been amplified so much. Uh, we have, we have so much did. more knowledge of, of kind of like what, what players yeah. are now than we did, you know, when when I was playing. Yeah, and it, the RSCI, to, be, to its credit, though, really tried to, like, source guys that were doing, like, big national newsletters and – like Tellup and like Burles and all those guys who were doing newsletters contributed. So I thought it was, you know, at least when I was following recruiting, it, you know, when I was younger, that felt like kind of the closest you got to yeah. an aggregate consensus. Definitely not what we have now, but still, you know, when the guys who were out there getting the most exposure, watching these guys the most, were putting guys in the top 100, it felt like a good run in there. Um, you know, even, you know, we forget a guy like Trevon Bryant was number 21 in the RSCI and a McDonald's All-American. We just completely forget that that guy was in the mix there, too. So there there have been, you know, I think people rightly sort of, you know, look at that as a missed opportunity. But Missouri, to bring it back now, has not recruited at that level for at least two decades. It's been 20 years since they were on that kind of run. Dennis Gates has not taken a commitment from anybody lower than 120th in the composite. The next two years may be that time where you could start to see the kind of commensurate recruiting that we saw in early Quinn, if this staff can really get the momentum rolling. So I think that that's what's exciting here, too, is the low end here is still really good. If they can start to land more top-end guys, it, it may start to rival what Quinn was doing in terms of raw talent acquisition for the program. So. Another thing that I thought was sort of interesting about, like, you know, the the fact that he's a um, he's a five star in the composite is that he's not a five star in any of the services. He's a yeah. Four... Now, I mean, on three, I think he's the highest rated. He's seventeenth, I think. Yeah, he's sixteen. But on how he's they're... still a four star, which is like it's one of those things. Like, I don't uh, like when you're talking about a kid who's like ranked 15th and a kid who's ranked 18th like there's really not a big difference it comes down to like what the individual scout is probably looking for um and for the most part i think classes tend to kind of have like a consensus like these are like the best five to eight players 
Yeah. Uh, and then after that, it, it can kind of get, there can be disagreements among scouts, but I think like for the most part, you, anybody's going to be able to look at like the top players in the class, be like, Oh yeah. Like this is a top, top five player. Everybody knows like how good Cooper flag is, for example. Yeah. Yeah. It, the, and it depends on what the most operandi of the scouting service is like, Two four seven still seems to project more to college production, mm-hmm. whereas on three is very explicit. Like we're trying to project NBA players. I don't know what ESPN does. They have the widest divergence from anybody. Being Cardi knows basketball, but I mean his the the their rankings diverge. Probably the biggest rivals is Borzello oh, still there, right? Borzello's still there, but he's doing more general college basketball stuff at this point like they've kind of roped him in he still goes out in the summer but i don't know if he's as heavy heavy in recruiting um rivals the is mostly in line i think with consensus in 247 but there are like usually five to ten prospects in the rivals 150 that are just off the grid different either high or low about five that are higher than you know on three or two four seven about five that are lower um that's why we use the composite index because we want to try and put it all together. And on Botang, I think the general consensus is like 26th is a five-star in their composite, but it's sort of the back end. So I think he's basically a high enough five-star, and I think the on-three ranking is probably what's tipping him into the tipping him over, if I had to guess, without really looking at their algorithm. That, well, and I think I think he's like 21st in Rivals, too, or 22nd yeah, or 3rd, something like that. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's 41st, I think, in... Uh, Two four seven actually has them lowest in their individual rankings. So. Yeah, we, we need we need to talk to Bossy get that uh, get that ranking up. He's he's a bourbon guy. Boost, offer him something, <laughs> offer him something off the bar cart, Sam. Offer hey hey, um, um, go ahead. No, just it. Regardless, twenty six composite is still just dandy. Although there's one guy, one guy still out there. Uh, we'd love to make his acquaintance. We would love to. We would. Love oh, to make... I see what you did there. Yeah. Uh, there you uh, change the you change the banner. Uh, the banner is up. This is uh, simulcasting so... at its finest. Simulcasting. So let's let's talk about this. Um, we're talking about, of course, Jaden Acquaintance, uh, who is a very highly ranked. Uh, recruit, I believe he's uh, ninth in yep. the in the composite right now. Yep, um, yep. A a very much consensus five star. Uh, he is a five star in every service. Um, I think at this point we've explained the situation. He was a twenty twenty five recruit. He like just turned sixteen. Um, yeah. So uh, if he hits campus, if he hits anybody's campus next year, it will be as a seventeen year old. Uh, he is a uh, a very big, strong young man. Uh, his his bloodlines are strong. His dad was a sort of a a post player at Kent State. His yeah. uh, his mom was, was a, she a volleyball player or is that somebody else I'm thinking of? And then, but also has like some NFL bloodlines in there. I think like one of her brothers is like a, was an NFL tight end. So yeah, athleticism uh was was bred into this kid and that's certainly what they got he is uh i i've made the comparison before i i think 
comparison is a fair one, at least in, in his body type and sort of how he moves. Uh, he reminds me a lot of Chris Weber. Yeah. Um, he is just a physically imposing young man. And the fact that uh, he, wherever he goes, is going to have two years uh, to play, I think is, is a big thing, is why uh, a lot of schools are trying to get in and get, get him on campus and, and have him for two years. Physically, I mean, you, you can shape him up, but I mean, if you just look at him on, you know, as he is right now, doesn't look 17. Looks like if you got him on campus and into a weight program, he could probably physically hold up. Played with a lot of 18 and 19 year olds last year uh, in OTE with Word of God Academy. Played up with 17 year olds this summer with uh, Team That and Team Loaded. You know, when I watched him at the FVU 16 event over the summer, playing kids his own age, a poor Argentinian kid who had to like try and box him out for 40 minutes, like mm-hmm. just turned to his coach and just did this and his coach just did this. Just like, yeah, <laughs> I know. I know you're trying. It's just not working. Um, I think the, the thing I've tried to drive home about him is he flashes on offense. Like, I don't think there's a thing like I could point to him right now saying there's a skill that you could hang. They could really kind of like hang baseline production on when he's, you know, played in like settings, you know, whether it's at, you know, the Adidas, you know, grassroots circuit or on five or on FIBA, you know, with team USA, it's been mostly as a cutter and a guy who's going to get on the glass he got to show some skill, you know, and I think I tweeted out a thread last week, some video from OTE, but still a guy that, you know, pops and goes in bursts. He's still got, you know, I think put pieces together offensively, but man, to watch, watch him on the defensive end. He get him with a strength coach, get him ready there, get him onto a good meal plan. Tools are right there to be an impact. We talk about modern switchable fives. That's what this kid is. Yeah. This can he can guard one to five. Like guys who were, you know, got switched onto the Thompson twins and can sit down. Maybe they'll get to the rim, but they're not gonna get there off the first attack. They're gonna have to counter. He can move mm-hmm. his feet that well. Second jump is phenomenal. Guys almost seem surprised that he's there on the second jump. Absurd reach. I think he's like a plus six wingspan you know, really fluid, you know, can flip hips and turn, plays any kind of coverage you want. I know people aren't going to, you know, you know, really tune in to watch guys defend, but all the tools that are to be an absolute monster on the defensive end. It's... But Matt, even though uh, Missouri had some success not defending last year, being good on defense is generally considered a positive thing. This is where I come down on the 24 class. <laughs> there are there are potentially four soul-eating defenders in this class. Like, we put together, we watch tape, we look at the offensive end. Tio Barrett can play good team defense and when he and can sit down and, and take a lot of really good guards on the ball and handle them. Marcus Allen, plus six wingspan, can switch everything. You know, Honor Batang, 
probably more of an average wingspan, but just physically ready, great lateral agility, can slide, can sit down, guard the ball. You know, off switches can probably guard all three guard spots easily. Jaden Quaintance can switch one to five. Just a monstrous defensive class if they can if they can wrap it up. You put that with Trent Pierce, you put that with Aiden Shaw. That's six dudes that can just put the clamps on people. Cover a lot of ground. Cover a lot of ground. You don't worry about them gambling so much and recovering. <laughs> um, that's the thing. I think people are always going to say, you know, what do they do on offense? What's this game like? We, we look at that, but every guy that you watch that they're bringing in has the tools to be a high-level defender. And even, you know, Anthony Robinson, you know, has to, you know, put on some weight a little bit, but really quick hands when he turns guys. You know, he's able to get and reach in, knock the ball away, create steals. It's a group that I think, you know, we'll obviously look at their offensive development. We'll, you know, look at how they fit the scheme there. But in the next, you know, these first two classes may get five or six guys that are just going to be high-level college defenders. Like mm-hmm. that to me is, you know, we always, you know, Zoe's always talking about I want guys that can defend. I want guys that can buy in. Sure. With three-star guys that have work ethic, that, you know, that's that's a given the bodies that they're getting right now with that work ethic it, it in two years this could be an absolute monster of a defensive team that i yeah. think that's the one thing I, I keep putting a pin in is we'll talk about offensive development we'll talk about scheme fit but these guys have the potential to all lock down and guard and if you're going to be an aggressive switching team if you're going to do what missouri does these are the kinds of bodies you need to go get so i think that that to me is Sort of the heartening thing is they're they're getting the guys they need to play defense the way they want. Well, so getting a little bit back to you know the topic at hand is the the latest with Quaintance is that he he has left campus. There is not a pending commitment. Mm-hmm. Um, our latest understanding is basically that uh, Missouri is maybe amongst uh, like the top choices. Um, there are those that believe they are leading. Um, I don't know that I would go that far yet. I, I would say that maybe they have the strongest offer at this point. <laughs> uh, but I like I do think that you know they've done enough with the relationship building, the the official visit that it's it's a it's a strong offer, and I, I not just from the NIL point, but, but what they're sort of trying to commit, uh, to do with, with Quaintance and build him into the type of player that I think he wants to be. Uh, the, I think the only question is, does he want to go to school? Um, you know, and we don't mean that in a pejorative way at all. No, no. Like, I mean, he's, he's like, he's going to make a lot of money as a basketball player. Um, do you want to start? And, and, no matter what he does next season, he's going to make a lot of money, you know, uh, in comparison to what he's going to make over his career, probably not as much, but, uh, but he's a guy projects as a potential lottery pick. Um, and, and so I think what, you know, the, the realistic option here is like, if you, if you have the choice to become a professional and, and go get paid in the thing that you're going to be a, 
pro at for the foreseeable future. Do you want to get started early? Yeah. Uh, and and go to you know the G League and and just start you know earning that way and because the benefit of that is that you know basketball becomes your life, um, yeah. and you can that you know there are no restrictions on how much contact coaches can have with you and you don't have to worry about going to classes and because uh, even at like like I'm sure you know. At the, to some level, you probably want to continue an education and, and possibly work towards getting a degree, but like he's not gonna he's he's not gonna get a degree before he's an NBA player. I think no. is what I'm getting at. So realistically, when you look at the when you compare, we're still trying to get a big enough sample with G League Ignite, but their average draft slot for a G League Ignite guy is equal to you know, what a top 15 guy will get if he goes to college. You know, the real question to you, what you said earlier is, you know, what do you want to have happening around the games? You know, the G League Ignite, I think really everything is catered to the idea of maintaining your draft stock and maximizing it. Not to say that Dennis Gates doesn't want to boost guys' draft stock and doesn't want to, you know, put guys behind the draft as possible, but the G League Ignite isn't sitting there in January going, shit, we're three games back of a playoff spot. We got to park Jaden so we can play vets to get mm-hmm. in. Or Jaden's struggling a little bit on the defensive end. Let's plug in this grad transfer that we got who can soak up you know, 10, 12 minutes because we know he's just going to rebound and defend because right. you know, we want to boost our seed line. There's not those sort of trade-offs in play. The veterans they sign to the G League roster, for example, are locker room guys that are there to model how to be a pro, how to go about your work. Everything on the player development and nutrition side is to make sure you're maximized and healthy and ready to go. You know, if you can't play, like Scoot Henderson sat for stretches this season to preserve his health for when the you know combine season got here. Everything caters to that objective of maxing out your draft slot. If that's the goal, and if you read, you know, how Hayman Quaintance talks about what they've done, everything has been pointed towards what are you going to do to get us ready for the pros? What are you going to get us ready to go do this? You could have a really compelling offer, but if the money is equal, I think at the end of the day, you really have to consider what the G League is going to offer in totality getting him ready and to your point if you just want to go be a pro go be a pro that's that's you know we wouldn't say that if it was somebody who was like you know going to be able to go play in the new york philharmonic if you can go do that if you can go be a pro every day and work go do it it'll be interesting to see what the family values and where missouri fits relative to what the g league is offering i think we know that kentucky's got a track record of putting bigs in the league you know, John's done a really good job of that. You know, most of the guys have maintained their value. So I think that's what I'm watching here is just not what the NIL offers relative to anything else, but it, the lifestyle choice that, that he wants to make that the family feels comfortable with. So uh, to your point, I think the NIL offer isn't irrelevant, but I think it's going to be kind of the more holistic approach and what, you know, Jaden wants to get out of the next two years before he's, you know, presumably 
putting on a hat on draft night and shaking Adam Silver's hand. Right. Uh, yeah, so that's, that's kind of where we are. I think we're all just essentially kind of watching it. I think he's got a visit to Kentucky coming up. Uh, and I, I, ex- I expect this to go pretty much all the way and maybe not even up to the first inning day. It's, it's entirely possible he just waits until the spring. Guys like this can uh, wait that long. Yeah, they, and and Missouri will wait on him. Realistically, I mean, like they're they're happy with their uh, their recruiting class, and I think you can wait on a kid like that. Uh, I think you also know that the transfer portal uh, is is going to be you know live again in the spring. You sign uh, you have and, a kid, you're signing a kid at that position in November anyway. In Peyton yeah. Marshall, you're not right. Not you're not exiting fall without a big in the pipeline. You know we we can get into it or not but like realistically you know there's a guy like trent burns that's sitting out that they brought an ov you don't have to pivot and take a commitment from trent if you don't want to yeah. you know you, you've got jordan butler peyton marshall and you can go get a guy in the spring you know to be your third center if you need to but you can hang in there with quaints as long as you need to so that i think that's what i'm interested in is you know, would they pivot or would they just say, we feel covered, we trust ourselves in the portal. If we don't get him, we have a four-star big committed already. Let's just let it ride. So I think that that's going to be interesting is would they pivot or not? My suspicion is they'll say, we'll, we'll hang in there with you because we get you for yeah. two years. We get you for two years. That's I, Yeah, that's the bigger thing. I think you, know, you, you take a talent like that who would – I mean, he's an impact guy next year. Uh, and you get him for two years. Like you, you will, you will wait it out. If you paid the G League max salary is five hundred thousand dollars. If you match that and say we're going to pay you a million over two years, what we know about the fair market value of five stars, you're probably paying half. That's probably half of what is fair market value. That's a steal. It's an absurd steal for two years. So if I would. Green, if I was the if I was Dennis and I was the head of the NIL committee, I'd be like, "Yes, half a milli for you for two for each year, sold. Don't even have to think about it. Absolute steal." So we'll see what they do, but in almost every level, it's it's worth waiting it out. So now just to see is if there, uh, that holds. Was, uh, yeah. So is there anything else that you wanted to hit on before we got out of here? Apparently, practice starts this week around the country. I think, yeah, it started uh, today. Yeah, it started today. Practice started. Um, I saw NATO. The team said, that will play games this year is, is starting to get ready. So, NATO uh, had a press conference and said something along the lines of, like, they only take high character kids. And it was kind of like, what, now? Now? You're only taking high character kids. Okay, well, it, it makes sense uh, that you would you would pivot to that from uh, from you know the more recent troubles. Uh, no, I get kid a little bit. Brand, Brand Miller's a good kid. Has made some poor choices, um, but uh, yet the, yep. the Miles kid. I don't know. He seemed fine, and then all of a sudden, uh, but yeah, Nate. Maybe maybe you don't need to like he's just so bad with the media like you don't need to jump out there and talk about how high character all your kids are um let's just yeah just put together a good defense nate just put together a good defense that's all you really need to worry about 
Just, that's that's what you need to worry about this year, just, sir. Just, Can you get Grant Nelson to move his feet on defense? You're in the middle of previews. Um, those will start up. Uh, yeah, we're. Uh, I've already scheduled the first one. I think I said even last week in South Carolina. So we're, we're not optimistic about the Gamecocks. We are. I'm currently working on 13. I know there may be some disagreements. I, you know, I don't, I don't dislike Mike White. Um, I just, think he's in the right spot because I think they're going to give him. There is going to be no pressure in these first two years for Mike to like make a rapid jump. Well, and realistically, like it's it's not a bad move if you have that leash to just go out and get a lot of good talent that you can. They may uh, get Ace and Newell, a top ten kid in this class. That's fantastic if they sign but, that kid. No, I was talking about like his his classes on campus now. Oh yeah, his classes on campus now is this. It's a good solid. class. It's yeah, it's a solid class. It's got guys that I think, you know, I think people are going to like oversell guys like Silas Demary and Blue Kane, but. Those are guys that are sophomores that could be really, really good. This transfer right. class, I've looked at them. You've looked at them. There's some nice, solid guys here. I don't know if they have an alpha, but, you know, our faith in Mike White is minimal. But uh, as yeah. far as as far as putting together a coherent roster, he's done that. He's done that. So we'll see if it's any good. It at- would be the first time. Then they got to play games. Then they got to play games. That's, that's, that's so w- we are going to get out of here. We are not going to preview the SEC any further. Um, but yeah, so I'm previewing teams. You and uh, you and uh, and Matt Watkins are previewing players. Uh, we've got all kinds of previewing coming, uh, which should start up here in a couple of weeks. Uh, we'll probably come back for some more podcasting before then. Uh, and I'm at some point we got to schedule uh our boy blake level for the for our, our i think last year was the sec conference double pod um so we'll, we'll have to set that up but uh he's yeah. got to get yeah he's got to get he's got to get his he's got to get his commission for stumping for dennis we have to help him get there he's got he's got money he's got to earn so we'll, uh, we'll yeah. let him get out here and make sure he gets he gets as much airtime in front of missouri fans as possible uh, so yeah, so we're going to get out of here. Thank you everybody for tuning in to Rock M Radio. We are a proud partner of Fans First Sports Network. Um, we'll be back maybe next week. Maybe we'll take a week off. Maybe Jaden Quaintance will just commit to the Tigers and we'll have to hop right back on. Who knows? Uh, until then, thanks for tuning in, everybody. Thank you everyone for tuning in to Rock M Radio, a proud partner of Fans First Sports Network. If you enjoyed this episode and would like to see more just like it beamed directly into your personal device, just click the subscribe button below. Uh, And you can find this podcast through the Apple Podcast app or for iPhone or the Google Podcast app for Android or whatever app you use to listen to your podcast. Uh, We are also available on Spotify. Just search for Rock M Radio. Uh, And if you like other sports, Fans First Sports Network uh, is a podcast network that has uh, coverage of all other teams. Major League Baseball, uh, MLS, uh, NFL, whatever you want uh, to listen and and read about. It is a great, great network full of really fantastic podcasts. So look them up and subscribe uh, to any and all of those podcasts. Uh, Rock M Radio will be back with more episodes coming soon. Thanks.